Welcome to Happy Times and Places, a positively inclined Doctor Who episode commentary podcast in which I, Toby Haydock, ask a friend to nominate a Doctor Who story and secretly choose their favourite things about it. I then watch, commentate along and see if I can guess what those favourite things are. Hi Toby, uh, thanks for inviting me to this podcast. I am very honoured to be here talking about one of my favourite stories of all time. When Toby first emailed me, the first thought came to my mind was I want to do the Romans and I was so happy no one had done it yet. For episode one, I have chosen a scene and for episodes two, three and four, I have chosen dialogue. And then for my fifth and final moment, I'm talking about the entire story as a whole and I've chosen one particular scene, which is my absolute favorite part of the entire story. So good luck, Toby. Well, it's ancient Rome versus modern time travel and it's ancient fan, Toby. Uh, <coughs> me meets modern fan, young Josh Snares from over the other side of the world as well, but who's communicated worldwide um, brilliantly um, and inventively and pioneeringly uh, in terms of internet usage and quality of filming and, and equipment and visual style and also very engaging um, sort of personality and observations. I'm a big admirer of Josh, so uh, very pleased that Josh, who you heard uh, in the introduction there, has has lent a bit of modernity to this fusty old codger here with his, um, uh, you know, his, his microphone made of wattle and daub uh, and his brain made of trilobites uh, and um, uh, um, antediluvian materials. Right, so anyway, was, yes, thanks to Josh... I've just spoken for 53 minutes on the trot about episode one of the Romans, having worried when it started that I wouldn't have many things to say about it. So I'm 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 carrying on while I'm ahead. Uh, so I'm I'm because sometimes I I haven't I haven't actually done one of these where I've watched the whole story in one go in a while because I kind of have to fit stuff in 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 between stuff, but. Um, and I'd have to wait till the other half's asleep um, in order to fit in an episode uh, or maybe two. Um, but I, do, I don't feel like I've 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 had a, a good run at anything. Uh, so uh, this is this is quite fun. I'm enjoying I'm enjoying this, even though it's only it's only episode two. All roads lead to Rome. Uh, so I would like you to take the same path as I through this story. Uh, it's. Oh, it was January 1965. Well, I'm recording this in January 2023. Uh, and we're going to start with episode three, uh, episode two of the Romans. I've just, because I've just remembered, of course, because the rescue uh, is one of the few Doctor Who stories that begins on, that, that has an episode on January the 2nd, which is my birthday. So, uh, yeah, so I, I'm I'm recording this. In fact, I'm recording this when episode two of The Rescue uh, went out, but, you know, a few years later. So so this episode is in two weeks' time from now, but, what, 50, 50, uh, 58 years ago. Goodness me. Uh, so, here we go. We, uh, we are going to start episode two, 58 years. That's extraordinary. Um, 
and and who how would any of those people have even considered that somebody who was born nine years after this would then 58 years after they were all convening at a, an army drill hall to rehearse something that they thought would go out once would be, would be pouring over it on a giant screen you know it's not a screen it's a wall projected onto a wall uh in in its third physical release i've had this on vhs and on dvd and now i have it on blu-ray oh it's extraordinary uh it's extraordinary um and and especially as it's as it's a story that even within the sort of disposable um you know framework of of doctor who has made then this was you know this was a sort of funny silly one as well i don't think anyone thought they were making anything other than something that was a you know a bit of a lark but uh, we all need a bit of a lark and again like having i've just done the caves of androzani which is grim and dangerous and deadly but works because it it it, it exists within the you know the multi-genre universe of doctor who you wouldn't want all Doctor Who to be like the Caves of Androzani. But the fact that the Caves of Androzani is like the Caves of Androzani makes it so damn special. And you could say equally the same of the Romans. If all of Doctor Who was like the Romans, it would you would, it would be annoying. It would be lightweight. It would be slightly irritating, I think. But because this exists, you know, a couple of weeks after the Dalek invasion of Earth, which is a grim post-apocalyptic, you know, re resistance fighting, you know, epic. Uh, and... You know, a, a few weeks before a, a psychedelic uh, insectoid g g lunacy fest, um, uh, and, and and you know everything that the, 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 the eclecticism of Doctor Who, and yet it's all the same program. That's that's it's wonderful, uh, one of its many wonderful elements. So yeah, I wouldn't want all Doctor Who to be like the Romans, but I like the fact that when I'm scanning my shelf going what sort of doctor who am i in the mood for today one day i will be in the mood for the caves of androzani and another day i will be in the mood for the romans and both will satisfy me in totally different ways and yet both will be recognizably doctor who so let's see what i recognize as all roads lead to rome but currently lead to the countdown in three two one to press play on the second episode of the romans and here we are um so i think that might have started slightly late because i'd watched the beginning when i watched the previous one but i don't think anybody seriously times these and even if you tried you couldn't because there's always a bit of a delay so i'm not going to fret over that although part of my it will be it will be fizzing in the back of one of my synapses now going this isn't quite right but it'll be slightly out of sync even though it's always slightly out of sync and that's going to bother me probably till the day i die but anyway here is barry jackson drax in the armageddon factor uh he's also garvey in mission to the unknown and galaxy 4 because he appears at the end of uh, galaxy 4 in the lead-in to, to mission to the unknown uh was also known in the business as a stuntman called jack barry so it's not just 
you know he's not just been hired as an actor he was a uh, he was a quite an acrobatic uh, stuntman and stunt arranger although later in life you know didn't didn't do the stunting because he was a uh, you know a very busy character actor he's uh, he's the guest lead isn't he in Blake Seven's is it Mission to Destiny which is the sort of murder mystery one uh uh, and 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 a regular in Midsummer Murders as the pathologist, but there he is out of the window and out of the story. He's quite a regular. He's he's he's, he's throughout the story in the in the novel, which I remember being really annoyed about because it was the days before you could get stories on video. So the fact that Donald Cotton, who'd really written brilliant novels of the Mythmakers and the Gunfighters, his own stories that I didn't really understand and now adore had the audacity to write the Romans and to not fastidiously transcribe the script so that I could enjoy the story as broadcast. I've gone through this metamorphosis with, with many things. It's a bit like the animations where it's just like they have to be as close to the original as possible. They're never going to be. They're animations. Cartoons do not look like live action. So actually, I've gone through a real journey of that going, no, if you can take advantage of the animation medium to, 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 to make this look more visually arresting, then do so. There's no point in tracing what could have been, you know, quite flat sort of landscapey, you know, no no camera cuts because of the the, the, the small amount they're able to do, the limited canvas. Uh, and, and, and you know, the books now, the books that are m more valuable are the ones that tell the same story that we have on video in a, in a different way or a fresh way or a reinterpreted way or a more insightful way. Um, but that's because, of course, we now have ready access to the videos. When I was furious about the novel of the Romans, uh, uh, we didn't have ready access. So what Donald Cotton was doing was, was you know, betraying consecrated text. Um, I also have a thing that has a, a, a resentment I've hung on to for over a decade is that there's... A, one of the fun bits of the commentary of this was when was we decided to have Barry Jackson in at the beginning of episode two and then to fall out of the commentary when he gets thrown out of the window. Now, I think, which I think is a funny idea. Now we just keep him. Um, in fact, I once did an episode, I did a commentary for Phantom Films where we, at the last minute, changed the episode of The Green Death we decided to have John Levine on the commentary for. And only when we got to the end of it did we realise he wasn't actually in that episode. But we still talked for the whole of it. You, you know, you'd keep Barry in and he could talk about, the, you know, the, the general principles of TV at this time and blah, de, blah, de, blah, de, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but we had him fall out of the window, fall out of the commentary. So, of course, everybody else turns and he's going, well, bye-bye, Barry, bye-bye, nice to see you. And nobody's looking at the picture and nature pours a vacuum. And my job as uh, moderator of the commentary is to, you know, steer things. But I didn't want to stop everyone saying goodbye to Barry. So I said, and Barry Jackson's off there, but he will return to Doctor Who in Mission to the Unknown and the Armageddon Factor. And then I foolishly went on to Gallifrey Base uh, uh, and... Uh, uh, some I think sometimes late sometime later because I know that I'd helped this person who'd who'd wanted to um, get some dates of when some some of the commentaries were recorded so I very helpfully filled in the ones that I knew because I'd been been at them and then I was sort of criticizing what I what I'd done here because said well there's a bit in the commentary of the Romans where he says where Barry when Barry Jackson returns Doctor Who but none of those people in the room were in those stories so that would have meant nothing to them it's like no I wasn't saying it to prompt them I was saying it to 
because nobody else was paying attention to the commentary at that point apart from me and I thought off the top of my head that would be a useful thing to throw in whilst their attention returns and I don't know why I'm having to justify this and and, and I didn't say any of this of course it's been brewing in the back of my head ever since and I don't want to be one of those you know you don't want to be one of those people who writes an autobiography that's you know where every chapter ends with and naturally I had the last laugh where lots of sort of petty grievances are, are, are cathartically exorcised through the moment of sort of um you know yeah petty revenge or one-upmanship but um i, I it, it just hit me that god you can't do anything if you, with us with us with, with some with with the outlook of a of a doctor who fan um sometimes w- whatever you might do as somebody contributing to a doctor who product that isn't actually doctor who itself whatever you do you're gonna you, you, people are gonna just assume the worst or that the yeah the, c- c- criticize criticize you for whatever you've done even if what you've done is then they're never going to take them the, the the more reasonable uh uh um uh interpretation of your action there which was just i was covering a silence and keeping it going and thinking off the top of my head and i have that knowledge to be able to impart when nobody else is looking at the screen to cover the silence and here we are back again but no that's not good enough what was he thinking doing that and you're like oh thanks a bunch so that taught me never to go looking on gallifrey basically and I, but i never gave them any more dates I'll tell you that for, sh- for sure um but anyway um the one of the first things i knew about the romans was that gerton clauber uh, playing the galley master um, recreated his galley master role from the carry on film and it was only when i was researching for the commentary that i did for this that i i that i realized that i discovered that that wasn't true a thing that i'd assumed and known to be true because it was mentioned in doctor who a celebration was actually not true because he's not the galley master is he he's he's i think him he and alf uh, alf garnet warren mitchell are marcus and spencius they're that they they sell things that's the gag but he is in carry on cleo girton clauber so his casting is is perhaps an echo of that um uh and girton clauber returns to doctor who in the macro terror as ola but of course i cannot mention that in good company uh, lest it be somehow taking away from some observation somebody else was going to make. This, as woman prisoner, is the wonderfully monikered Dorothy Rose Gribble, uh, who I interviewed uh, in her in her uh, sort of elderly accommodation that she was at, which I think is where Downton Abbey is filmed. I could be wrong. Um, but her, I'd written to her and her nephew got in touch and said, you know, well, you, you by all means come and visit when I'm visiting her. And so so I went to see Dorothy Rose, who didn't have a huge career as a, as a sort of television or theatre actress, but did do lots of poetry recitals and things like that and was, you know, still sort of, you know, always doing stuff. Uh, and she was very sweet. And she, I mean, her Who's Round was released uh, after she died so uh she you know she she and and she was a bit uh you know she you know she wasn't uh she, she you know she wasn't the most lucid shall we say into interviewee but she was she was delightful and here's michael peak as tavius who when i recorded the commentary for this he was a mystery it was a well you know do we know what became of him he sort of stopped acting uh you know not not, not long after this and christopher barry didn't know and and it, we've since discovered that uh, he's one of the first actors 
to die from Doctor Who. There we are, folks. Oh, I didn't mention that about Bart Allison, who's Maximus Battalion. He's one of the few Doctor Who actors to have been born in the 19th century. He was born in 1890. And Michael Peake, who plays Tavius, and it's a lovely performance with those wonderful gravelly tones that he has, which suggests to me that um, why this next news is is not perhaps a surprise, because he sounds like uh, he's been smoking Bencius and Hedges' ears. Uh, in ancient Rome, He's uh, uh, he's got a lovely s- s- smoker's uh, tones there. Uh, that, that sounds like it's not good news for Dorothy Rose there. Um, Dorothy Rose Gribble, what a wonderful name. Lovely lady. Um and I love the fact that, you know, all those years later, I interviewed her in 2013, I think. So again, all those years later, there she was in an old people's home. Some weirdo comes and sits in a little room that she's got and talks to her about her remembering that she had a spot on her nose when she was in Doctor Who and she couldn't really write and uh, particularly well. So I've got this sort of spidery Dorothy Rose Gribble written in my uh, written in my early years book. Um and I brought a photo as well, but I, I printed it on some really overly shiny paper and used a sort of metallic pen. So it didn't that that, that uh, autograph hasn't really survived, unfortunately. Um, and this is great, isn't it? That they, I'm not commentating much on the action. Sorry. This this is, you know, I remember the picture of this uh, seeming, you know, again, in the early years made these scenes seem not unlike the scenes one was used to from, uh, you know, Spartacus and things like that, where they were done on much bigger sets with much greater resources. But but actually, they 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 pull off the illusion here. There's a pleasing amount of extras um, all bare chested as well. And, uh, you know, it's it's sort of pleasingly realistic and grim. And, you know, you could tell there's a couple of st- there's water in the studio, though. That's no mean feat. But you could tell there's kind of a couple of stagehands with buckets chucking water on. But I think that's effectively done as Doctor Who's version of, you know, that, that a similar scene in Spartacus obviously compromised oh now uh, behind Doctor Who there as he enters the marketplace with his back to us the short lady is Francesca Bertarelli who is one of the Skull Hill school pupils so she is returning from the first ever episode of Doctor Who and the pilot the school pupils were the same in both and there she is uh, and apparently all the people at Corona Stage School where she was from fancied her, Fraser Hines fancied her but then again that's not a surprise she was a lady and alive uh, and um, uh, and there she is, you can see her back t- to us there she's sadly uh, no longer with us now but uh, uh, but she had, a, she, you know she did a children's film, foundation film did bits and bots of other stuff, did a bit of modelling uh, is Phil Collins was Phil Collins's sister-in-law uh, was a playboy bunny um, but you can find out all about Francesca Bertarelli if you've come to a commentary on the Romans to, to, to be led to discover things about its non-speaking background artists uh, with their back to the camera um, by listening to my class of 63 far too much information, which tells you everything about all the school pupil extras in uh, in An Unearthly Child. Even the two men in the market are interesting. One of them is John Caesar who plays lots of small roles in Doctor Who, sometimes uncredited, but he's uh, he's uh, he, he, he gets some decent speaking parts in things like The Sea Devils uh, and, uh, and is also a monoid, monoid four, I think he is. Uh, and the other one is Ernest Jennings, who has a speaking part here, but then returns to Doctor Who uh, only as uh, as extra, as, a, as an extra. And he's, you know, the guy in Mind Warp who he's an he's an old a rebel who they find and he dies. I think he's called Vern. He's got a name, and I think he's he has a little bit of dub dialogue over him. But he's not credited because it is an extras part. And um, 
and Tooza goes, oh no, Vern is only, he's the same age as me. And you go, oh God, because he's eight nine. Well, that was Ernest Jennings. I remember being thrilled to discover that an episode I'd seen, Mind Warp, had got an actor who was in The Romans, which was old Doctor Who that we can't touch and reach and has people from ancient times in it. Uh, although I was saddened that an actor who was credited and had a speaking part in The Romans uh, was now doing, you know, non-speaking, non-credited extra work. But that's, you know... Those those are my own little preoccupations. Uh, the Ian and Delos stuff uh, is is very different in the book because they hate each other in the book, uh, and I think that's rather a shame because their friendship in this is is rather nice, uh, and and I like the fact that they have this uh, this kind of bond. And Peter Diamond, who was a brilliant stuntman, and I think he's responsible for the sword fight in The Prince's Bride, which is one of the great. Uh, movie sword fights but uh, he pops up in Doctor Who quite a lot in the early years uh, and he also he came and gave talks at the Ludlow Festival uh, as did D D Derek Ware but I met Derek uh, another Doctor Who stuntman but I, I never had the the pleasure of meeting Peter and he was still working when I think he had a a stroke when he was driving back from the set of uh, uh, of Heartbeat that he was still working on uh, when he died uh, and I met his son recently actually Fraser Fraser um, uh, and, and couldn't answer a couple of queries that he had, which I felt bad about. But anyway, nice to make contact. And I think Fraser is still, uh, you know, holding the flame for his dad's legacy. And rightly, too, uh, a great contributor to, to, to Doctor Who uh, uh, and to TV and film. Um, and, uh, yeah, still going when he, when, when, he, when he died. It's a shame we didn't, uh, shame we didn't get a chance to talk to him about his work because the stunt guys are always really interesting but he's a he's a stunt guy who's a decent actor um which is a which is a always a very useful co combination when you're doing telly at this time and why people like him and, and Derek Ware got a decent amount of work because they uh you know they could they 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 could handle the acting as well as they could handle the the stunts um but yeah I like I like Ian and Delos's relationship in that even though it is a it is a sort of totally serious uh element of the story Ian and Delos don't really get to have an awful lot of fun um, and I suppose the story needs that because Barbara's about to get into Farceville with the, the delightful Nero oh and here's Michael Peake back again who I interrupted myself Michael Peake is I think is he the third actor to die from Doctor Who or maybe he's the fourth um, Jack Cunningham the jailer in uh the the reign of well there's there's Jean Conroy from the Dalek Invasion of Earth who actually dies before her episode goes out uh so she you know she, she, her her appearance in Doctor Who is posthumous um which I remember discovering um uh, and uh, and and being quite moved by it and then putting it on Facebook and somebody was a dick about it um stop harboring these resentments Toby somebody going oh that's just uh what was it uh, uh, Asperger's pointlessness or something like that I thought no it's not it's really interesting um, ah, anyway d but naturally I had the last laugh no I didn't it's just, it's just annoying um, uh, but anyway this is my space I do what I want now uh, and uh, and anyway um, I wonder if John Caesar got, got cast because because of his name Um uh, that's not John Caesar, that's Tony Lambden. I don't know anything about him. I should find something out about him, really. Um, but yes, Michael Peake, uh, I think it goes Gene Conroy, then Jack Cunningham, and then it's it might be Jack Bly who plays Gaptooth, 
and then Michael Peak, or the other way around, uh, Gap Tooth in the Smugglers. Or, but Michael Peak dies in sixty-seven, sixty-eight, something like that. Uh, so, so that's why his acting career stops in the late sixties because he did. Um, so he's he's not long for this world even now. Uh, in this, uh, he's in the Gorgo with Patrick Troughton. Uh, I think they're both policemen in it. But uh, he's. Uh, He's got a great face and a nice presence, although he does do a bit of comedy stuff here, even though he's one of the more serious characters because he's revealed to be a Christian, of course, at the end. But he's doing he's doing sort of sotto voce, uh, glancing around uh, suspiciously acting here in order to do a kind of, uh, you know, this is the cross purposes, you know, farcy stuff that we've got going on where, you know, Tavius thinks he's talking to Maximus Battalion and is sort of, you know, tipping the wink and metaphorically tapping the nose. And Hartnell's, you know, t t you know, being totally credulous. Uh, and it's sort of comedic cross purposes. And here we have Nero, played by Derek Francis, friend of Jacqueline Hill, which is why uh, he ended up doing it. Not from uh, nepotism, but from um, he was a, a, a highly regarded actor um, who they, you know, they were lucky and grateful to have but um Jack Jacqueline Hill was a was a sort of entry point for them although I was interested to notice because it's the sort of thing I find interesting there's no star guest billing for Derek Francis in the Radio Times and that is for other actors in this period uh you know and, and and sometimes you know you know character actors like donald morley and uh keith part and john ringham who weren't you know, who weren't names um so you'd think if they got a if they if they got a, a a radio times billing uh derek francis definitely would maybe there just wasn't space that week or they decided not to do it that stuff usually came as an edict from the production team and maybe who was whoever was in charge was going we aren't we aren't doing guest star billings at the moment but um Francis was definitely, you know, well known, uh, and uh, he's he's certainly, you know, he's the performance of the piece. He's the character of the piece in a story that has quite a lot of traffic. As I mentioned uh, last week, only Derek Sidney is is in all four episodes, aside from the the four leads. Um, uh, I love this comedy <laughs> of. Uh, uh, well, it's the emperor's new new harp, isn't it? It's it's it, it's it's uh, it's everybody um, uh, uh, sucking sucking up to the because of course the the, the you know the, the, there's a, there's a threat of you know execution upon a whim. So the comedy comes from actually the dangerousness of the situation that uh, you know Nero not only has power, he's also potty, uh, but uh, dangerous and you know prone yeah prone to kill on a on on a whim and i love, love that business with the, the 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 whatever that horrible piece of meat is that he's had a bite out of and now given to the doctor uh and we shall come to tigelinus open brackets cut bearer close brackets later that's brian proudfoot uh at uh at nero's side um uh and and yes this whole <laughs> heart now heart now sniffing the Leg, that's a bit like when um, uh, Sylvester McCoy listens to the apple, isn't it? Uh, that's, that's nice. And, and Tom Baker sniffs things, doesn't he? Um, and, and then, of course, you've got David Tennant, you know, sticking his finger in the jar of marmalade and, and, and licking the mahogany. Yeah, suddenly the doctors, I like the doctors sort of do those sort of animalistic sense stuff to suggest that, yeah, there's intellect there, but there's also, you know, heightened other senses. I quite like that. Um, 
but yeah, the whole the whole thing of the Doctor having painted himself into the corner of being the greatest harp player and the lyre player in the world, but he can't actually play the lyre, uh, opens us up to some great uh, comic potential. Oh, whereas on the other side, you've got Ian and Delos, you know, uh, sort of slightly stuck and on the run, and and they're at the you know uh, held held prisoner. Um, and then Tavius, even though he's done that sort of yeah that uh, you know oi oi. Psh- come over here sort of acting with Hartnell there is is quite a serious character for much of it and sort of um Barbara's sort of safety net and confidant which is and their their relationship is rather touching um Maureen O'Brien is perfect for this stuff she has such a sense of fun she she evokes sort of fun uh, oh and here is the dead centurion but you don't want to be paying Dennis Edwards uh, who's been hired as an actor last week to come back and play the same part a week later because you'd have to pay him uh, the, you know, his actor's fee to do so. So those legs and knees belong to Vez Delahunt, who is one of the uh, one of the Thals in uh, in the Daleks. Uh, and he, he crops up later as a unit soldier in, uh, in the Silurians as well. I, I think there's, there's, there's confusion um, because his name his name is rendered differently. Um, but um, I did, I think, worked out which which Sylvester Della Hunt he was because Vez, it took me ages to work it out. Is short for Sylvester, um, but he was he was generally a, a supporting artiste. Um, well, the Thals really are supporting artists, but they do get a credit in episode seven of the Daleks. That's not a great uh, crap zoom it does in on poor old Dorothy Rose Gribble, um, who obviously has been has been chatting to Barbara and will then act as a uh, as a conveyor of information from Barbara to Ian because they've been held in the same prison. That's, uh, yes, so the, the episode ending is uh, uh, Ian catching sight of some stock footage of lions uh, and having to look very serious, um, uh, which, which you know, shows the different... Uh, the different... Um, uh, dramatic styles uh, within... Uh, within this particular story um that you know we've gone from the sort of you know high high, high campery if you like of uh, uh of 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 the of the very silly nero um although you know there is danger there you know he's he's played comedically but there's you know we're never far away from that suggestion that if you if you play this guy wrong you know he'll you know it's curtains. Um, I I taught I went off piste there quite a lot, uh, so I think the idea that I might find a line of dialogue um, to tie in with what Josh to tie in with what Josh likes, I think is I think is is going to be impossible. So I'm just going to have to go my own path also i think because josh is going what did i like about the romans rather than here are a series of grievances as a result of me doing commentaries about doctor who or discovering facts and conveying them into the great universe of doctor who that have not been greeted with in the way that i would like by occasionally one person uh, and and so i will ignore all any nice stuff that uh, i've received as a result of my travails and still fixate upon uh, the phraseology uh, 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 
of of two individuals who responded in a way I don't like to what I've done, which is which is where madness lies, and which one must not do, and which I like to pride myself that I don't do, and I clearly do, but naturally, I had the last laugh, uh, and the laugh I think is what it's all about, the towering over, uh, I think for me, um, the the Romans is somebody who makes their debut in this episode and it's Derek Francis as Nero it's it's the best performance in the piece he's the best character in the piece uh, and and in a piece that is sort of tonally quite disparate uh and uh you know so so and the comedy can't be in, in places can't go too far uh, but it also means that the drama is never quite as dramatic as you necessarily want it to be because of the comedic backdrop I think the 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 consistency of what Derek Francis brings to the table with with is very entertaining and very enjoyable um, performance uh, as as Nero is is a real asset to a story that that needs that colourfulness of performance amid the because a lot of the comedy is physical and farcical and you know uh, you know that 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 farce. Uh, a tra trademark of you know people missing each other and you know c c miscommunication or cross communication or, or 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 even you know missed proximity um you you need something that's a kind of anchor for that and 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 that's Derek Francis as Nero who is i think on balance the best thing about the the whole adventure and he makes his he makes his debut there and i do love that scene um where uh you know the doctor gets out of playing the lut the liar um huh, although he is playing the liar um uh but that brings us to what i think will be the best line of next week's installment and i think i think josh will probably choose one of the lines from that scene but then again i thought he'd probably choose the 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 vase on the head and he didn't so i'll be true to me and i will choose derek francis as nero because um, under ordinary circumstances if Josh hadn't said what they were going to choose and the nature of what they were going to choose I'd have got in early with Nero because to me I don't think you can you can list the best things in the Romans and not list Derek Francis as Nero so if I hadn't had that knowledge of what Josh was going to say I'd have I'd have done Francis so I'll give him his dues uh, Derek Francis um, is my favourite thing about episode two of the Romans, whereas Josh is going to choose a line from this episode, which I think might be from from that scene, but I could be wrong. So for episode two, I have chosen a line of dialogue, and it's very early on in the episode. It's during the first scene where William Hartnell is having a little battle, and the line is, "I tend to forget the delights and satisfaction of the arts, the gentle arts of fisticuffs." <laughs> it's so much fun, and it's so silly. And I just love the idea of the first Doctor just absolutely railing on people, just constantly starting fights and talking about how he used to train a fighter and it's just brilliant. And I'm waiting for the big finish audio spin-off of William Hartnell just absolutely throwing it. And you know what? Bring it back. Bring back this fighting Doctor. I want to see Jodie Whittaker like punch the hell out of a sea devil or something. Just bring it back. <laughs> and actually, you see, because I was... 
I was fixating upon the injustice of the misinterpretation of my um, uh, uh, smoothing out of the conversation as Barry Jackson exited the commentary. But I didn't talk about the gorgeous fight scene uh, that that Hartnell has with him, which is great fun, which is very silly uh, and which is rather delightful. Um, and and I love the word fisticuffs. That's great. And yes, it has that 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 marvelous thing of you know. I often consider one of the great strengths of Doctor is that the Doctor is largely pacifistic um, and you know doesn't kill except for when he does uh, and doesn't get involved in violence except for when he does. Um, but but that idea that the Doctor that there's something you know about the old old fashioned arts of combat which are somehow which somehow have a sort of sense of fun and honor about them which is totally at odds with physical violence but within certain genres or in certain times or in certain circumstances can be a thing that is evoked and it's delightfully so there fits hartnell like a glove uh, that that you know seeing this bungling assassin um, in a scene that's not that's not pulled off perfectly, it has to be said. I think the ambition of the scene is perhaps greater than its execution, which is it's still not why I didn't um, t- talk about it. I was fixating on a grudge like an idiot. <laughs> um, it, it's 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 great, and it's again sort of unlike anything that you'd have had really in the first year of Doctor Who, and is showing something different that. Doctor Who can do within its format that it does with a great sense of glee and a great sense of fun and Hartnell embraces it and yes he embraces that idea that the Doctor enjoys engaging in the art of fisticuffs fisticuffs is a great word as well Uh, so I wouldn't have chosen that anyway Um, but I I might have actually if I'd been doing this episode properly uh, chosen the fight scene at the beginning because it is great fun Um, and Poor old Barry Jackson, who you know, who who actually doesn't end up doing that much. I remember thinking Ascaris must have been a really, really important character. He's gone, you know, a minute and a half into episode two, uh, never to be seen again. Um, but uh, and what a career he had! Oh, bless him. Um, so uh, yeah, I could I could have chosen that, but instead I got distracted by cathartically. Uh, enunciating something f- from the recesses of my the resentment box in the back of my head uh, which is no way to be so hopefully that has now flown uh, like a mute assassin out of a window never to be seen again um, but uh, I know there's lots of fun to be had uh, in subsequent episodes of the Romans so whatever happens we haven't had the last laugh. Thank you very much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock, and my guest, Josh Snares, who can be found on Twitter at Josh underscore Snares, and who, more importantly, I think, is also on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Josh Snares, where there is loads of content. I'm grateful to Josh and of course to the patrons who make these podcasts possible and they include Steve Manfred, Mr Withit, Chris Bone, Jeff Sear, Philip Marsh, Tom Hunter-Watts, PDT, Mark Cockrum, Stephen Moffat, Reese Williams, Chris Williams, Rich Wiggins, Kevin West, Peter Ware, Gavin Ware, Alistair Wallace, Jeff Walker, Gary Wales, Lee Wakerley, John Turner, Fanman Sang, Sidney Trout, 
Jason Thompson, Richard Thomas, Dr. Gary Thomas, Jason Taken, Paul Taylor Greaves, and Mark Swan. The music is by Dave Gates, the artwork by Dylan Patterson. Would you like your name read out on the credits? Well, if you would, that's one of the many bonuses you get if you go to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke, where you can get bonus releases. There is a whole podcast just to yourself. There are Ask Me Anythings. The last one clocked in at two hours. So you can ask me what you like, and I can promise my answers won't be monosyllabic. Whether that's a good thing or not is for you to decide, and it's for you to decide whether it's worth uh, £3 per month or more, if you like, but the lowest tier where all of the audio and video content, all the content, I hate that word, is available for £3 a month. There are other little inducements to take you higher up the tier section, which, I mean, goes up to a million pounds if you want. Um, But uh, £3 a month is more than enough, and I'm very grateful. Uh, And that gets you, yes, as well as uh, the name in the credits, you get um, bonus releases, you get advanced releases, uh, you get stuff that is just for you, Uh, and you get pictures of my dog and a few little bits from my archive as well. And three releases per week, uh, which is not bad. And you get a 10% discount if you pay for a year in one go. Um, If you can't subscribe to the monthly thing, there's Ko-fi, where you can just buy me a virtual coffee whenever you like. If you've particularly liked a podcast or I sound particularly hungry or you're feeling particularly flush. It's the way that we do things now. It seems very odd to come cap in hand to you and I expect nothing I am grateful to you for listening especially if you've listened this far because the podcast is kind of over um uh, and listening is what keeps these going because if nobody was listening I would just be shouting into thin air uh but what you could do if uh, and I know times are tight so financial support is uh, not desirable or possible for the vast majority I'm sure but you could go to iTunes Podbean anywhere on the internet and scream out loud your enjoyment of these in the form of five star ratings everywhere you can they really help helps to separate us in the world of algorithms uh, and leave a few lines saying what you like about these uh, which really helps uh, the discerning audience member to get an idea of what's going on and maybe decide to give it a try themselves and again that's really what this uh, is all about is getting people to listen and hoping that people enjoy what they listen to so that's patreon.com forward slash toby adok ko-fi.com forward slash toby adok or just anywhere on the internet saying nice things i run a comedy club in manchester called excess malarkey that's on twitter at excess malarkey if you're in the vicinity of manchester come to us on a tuesday night at 8 p.m I am on social media at Toby Haydoke on Twitter. These podcasts have their own feed at Haydoke Podcasts and I have a Facebook page. I have a personal one that I'm sort of now trying not to use for people I don't know. So there is a work one, which is a page for me as a comedian, writer, actor. Uh, so so go to that one. That's where all the work stuff will be put and hopefully all the stuff that will be of interest to you rather than um, the fact that it's my uncle's birthday. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know what to say to the end credits for this one. Uh, But all right, fact fans, uh, I'm recording this post end credit sequence. First of the four Romans ones, 
and I don't quite know why. I think it's because, I'll tell you why it is. It's because I'm opening my recent documents on GarageBand. They're not called documents, are they? Files. And this one's at the bottom. And the Romans one has dropped off. So I need to do the Romans one. But if I went back and did that first, this would then drop off. So then I'd have to go looking for that because it won't be in the drop down menu. So because this is in the drop down menu at the bottom, I'm doing this one first. And then I'll probably do episode three. And then I'll go back and find episode one because it then doesn't matter if episode two drops off. That's an insight into the intricate workings and methodology of your podcast producer or man on his sofa uh, speaking into a microphone uh, and doing things in a slightly disorganised fashion. God, this is the stuff the archaeologists will pour over, isn't it? Uh, and I bet they'll go, and if you compare it to the output of the Chris Ramsey, uh, uh, what is it, Married Shag Denoid podcast, their post-credit sequences are recorded according to uh, release of podcast or um, whether it is a 60-bit amplified Dolby surround system or whatever, you know. The yeah, the true crime podcast, Death in the Afternoon, uh, uh, only had three post-credit sequences and they were recorded in order of the um, star signs of its host. Do you know what I mean? No, you don't, because I'm talking absolute baloney. Anyway, <laughs> that, that that's the post-credits bit. There's always one. Sometimes I think I go off into quite interesting tangents or suddenly remember something I've forgotten or do a, a, a fun bit of witty improvisation. Sometimes it's a load of old bobbins and that's what that was. So you can put that in your... Those, those yes, hey, hello, archaeologists of the future. You can put this in the subcategory of bobbins ones for when you do your complete and definitive history that's never going to happen i know that of the toby adoaks time travels podcasts forward slash happy times and places forward slash bad ones <laughs> i'm going now <laughs>